Welcome to episode 25 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today we're continuing our Women of the Bible series, and today we're actually going to cover a couple, or as I like to call them, the awesome power couple for Christ, Priscilla and Aquila. So remember that even though this is part of the Women of the Bible series, the thing is, it's hard for me to actually separate Priscilla from her husband, Aquila, because pretty much every time they're mentioned in the Bible, their names are actually mentioned together. So she and her husband are kind of a package deal. I can't really just focus on her because her actions are not really distinctive from her husband's actions because it's always a they or both of them are mentioned by name. So just bear that in mind. We're going to be talking about both of them really, even though I'm just going to be focusing on Priscilla. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface-level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, thank you so much for Priscilla's story in the Bible. Thank you for Priscilla and Aquila working together to further the gospel and work as ministers for you. Thank you that they were able to meet Paul, and thank you that you used their ministry in such magnificent ways, even though they are not mentioned at length in the Bible. They are mentioned somewhat frequently, so thank you so much, Lord, for that. And I pray that you would speak through me and that you would make all of the points and that your points would be taken away by the listeners according to their needs and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, Thank you, Lord, that you are ultimately always in control of everything. We love you and rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start with a little context here. Now, before they're introduced in Acts 18, I wanted to give a little bit of background. So, Paul has been in Athens, and he was actually in Athens, Greece, and he was actually preaching about Jesus. And then he came to Corinth, which is also in Greece, and that is where he meets this couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And also, I wanted to share a fun fact that Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned by name six different times in the New Testament, and it really starts here in Acts 18 when they meet Paul in Corinth. So that's where we're going to start too. And then there's also several mentions of them outside the book of Acts that we'll get to afterwards. Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them for they were tent makers, just as he was. So that's their introduction, the first three verses of Acts 18. And as you can see, Priscilla and Aquila were actually refugees due to the anti-Semitism of Claudius Caesar in deporting all Jews from Rome. So they actually, they were refugees. They had to leave their home 
or at least where they were living at the time, because of the fact that they were being deported. Paul, we can assume he was staying in Corinth with them during the whole time because it doesn't actually say that he moved in with a different couple or his living situation had changed. So I'm just going to go with the assumption that he lived with them when he was in Corinth. And Paul very clearly in the Bible is stated that he lived there for a year and a half. And in Acts, after the passage that I just read, there's more passages. And then it says that Paul actually has a vision from God. And God tells him not to be afraid. He tells him to speak out. And he also tells him that he'll take care of him and that harm will not come to him at Corinth. So that's why Paul stays there for such a long time, a year and a half. Now, at some point during that year and a half, Paul actually does have some conflict with the Jewish people who were living in Corinth. Not all of them, but it seems like a subsection of them had actually tried to get him in legal trouble, but it didn't actually end up coming to anything because, of course, God was protecting him. And then later in chapter 18, we come to, again, another mention of Priscilla and Aquila. So picking up chapter 18 of Acts, verse 18. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went on to nearby Centrea. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. Okay, so that's the end of that section on on Priscilla and Aquila. So now I just want to point out that Priscilla and Aquila have physically moved with Paul from Corinth to Ephesus. And then Paul actually moves on and goes somewhere else. But Priscilla and Aquila stay in Ephesus. So we are still in Acts 18, picking up with verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So that is the main chapter that mentions Priscilla and Aquila the most. And then they have a few mentions later in various letters from Paul. There are three specific mentions of them outside the book of Acts. So the first one is in 1 Corinthians 16. This is at the end of the letter to the of the first letter to the Corinthians. And Paul is kind of doing his closing remarks. And he says in verse 19, the churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. That's it. So obviously Paul is actually writing to the Corinthians in this letter, the church of Corinth, where he had lived with Priscilla and Aquila. They had all lived in Corinth for at least a year and a half. 
So because of that, he sends a greeting from Aquila and Priscilla at the end of this letter to that church. The next mention is in Romans 16. This is at the end, once again, of one of Paul's letters, this time to the Romans. And he says in verse 3, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. It seems that they must have gone back to Rome at some point. Remember that they had lived there before, and then they'd been pushed out by the Caesar. And that's how they ended up in Corinth and then Ephesus. So maybe at some point they went back to Romans because Paul does mention them here. And it seems like it's after the time when he had lived with them in Corinth because that's when he had met them the first time. All right, the last mention of them is in 2 Timothy 4, once again at the end of the letter. And Paul says in verse 19, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Onsiphorus. So that's it. Based on what I've read, it seems unclear to me in 2 Timothy 4 where Timothy was at the time. I wasn't able to confidently say like, this is where he lived. Um, Some say Ephesus. So it could be that he's working with Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus during this time. I don't know. I'm not sure where they had moved by this time or what had happened. So I don't want to speculate too much. Taking all of those different passages into consideration, I had a few interesting notes First, in four of the six passages that directly reference Priscilla and Aquila by name, four of them actually mention Priscilla first. I know that seems like a really silly, like kind of moot weird point. It's actually not because at the time, the order of the names could actually denote importance. So usually traditionally, the husband's name came first. So it is a little odd. It should strike us as a little odd that Priscilla's name more often is listed first. We don't know exactly why. It could be that Priscilla was actually wealthier. She could have been of higher status for some reason. She could have had stronger giftings than her husband. Or she could have been more well-known in the ministry or even taken the lead in their ministry It's unknown really why her name is mentioned first, but it is something that a lot of different people were mentioning when I was kind of researching it, is that that could actually, that that was actually not traditionally how the names were arranged when talking about a married couple. So just keep that in the back of your mind. The second note that I have is Priscilla is sometimes also called Prisca in the New Testament. So sometimes that's how her name is. And then Priscilla could be like a nickname, kind of the way that my name's Catherine you know, more formally, (laughs) but, but some people whose names are Catherine go by Katie or something like that. So Priscilla is like a nickname for Prisca. Let's dig in to Priscilla's attributes. What are they? Well, first thing that I noticed is that she actually works alongside her husband and alongside Paul in ministry. And, you know, I'm not just making this up. As I just read, Paul actually says in Romans chapter 16, verse three, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. He calls both of them his co-workers in the ministry. I love it. She's spreading the gospel alongside men. She is furthering the cause of Christ, the gospel, sharing the good news, allowing people to hear it, that they might be saved. 
And this is important, important work that Paul was doing, that her husband was doing, and that she was doing. And that's so beautiful to see. I love to see men and women working alongside each other as co-workers in spreading the gospel. I also just wanted to mention that it seems clear to me that she is pretty close with her husband because once again, their names are always mentioned together and the actions that they take are always mentioned together. Like they're doing everything together. They are co-workers in the ministry together, which is really interesting. You don't get to see one's distinct actions over the other. Like I said before, they're really a package deal. The second thing I noticed about her and I love this too, is that she did not let her fear stop her from being obedient. And this is really a point that we mentioned in episode 24 as well with Mary Magdalene, is that she refused to give up, to quit, to abandon her calling, even though there was fear involved. And where do I get this? Well, really, her and her husband were persecuted and they had to leave Rome due to the anti-Semitic policies of the Caesar. They're pushed out of Rome. They have to go to a new place. And then they end up going to a new place again in Corinth and perhaps back to Rome at some point. And so with all of this change and confusion, there might have been for her an an element of fear. And if so, she certainly did not let her fear stop her from doing her calling to ministering to people, to serving her home church. And then the other point where I get this also is from Romans 16 and verse 4. Paul says, in fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. So in some way, Priscilla and Aquila had risked their lives for Paul. We don't know the details. We don't know what that looked like. We don't know how often that happened once, multiple times. No idea. And I don't know for sure that Priscilla experienced fear. The text doesn't say that she experienced fear. But I would say for me, if I was risking my life for someone, I think it's probable that I'm feeling fear. I think that's a pretty common emotion in the face of risking your life or in the face of of change. So even though the text doesn't directly say that, in my mind, I think, okay, I think she probably would have been scared and maybe she wasn't. But regardless of whether she felt the fear or not, She experienced different transitions. She experienced different risky situations. And still she was obedient to the calling on her life. Jesus in her ministry was that important to her, was that important to her and her husband that they would do basically anything. I mean, if you're willing to risk your life in order to help people learn about Jesus, it's beautiful. Third, I noticed that she worked a job. Really interesting. Not only was she in ministry, not only did it say, you know, she she had a church in her home and all those different things, but she also had an occupation. In Acts chapter 18, verse 3, it says, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. So sometimes I think we we think in our minds, oh, it's an either or, like you either work or you're involved in ministry. And we think, oh, you can't do it at the same time. Or if you choose the path of work, that's your life path and you can never switch to ministry. It's like one or the other kind of a thing. But I think passages like this, at least for me, really challenge me to think about it as a both and situation. We're called to work and to be part of spreading the gospel. It's really interesting that during this time, you know, they are tent makers. They are doing a very physical, practical occupation. And also they're living with Paul, they're ministering to people, 
they're part of the church in Corinth, as we can extrapolate from the fact that the church of Corinth knew them when Paul was writing to them. So you can be involved in ministry and also work a job. Fourth, she taught a man and invested in people. Now, this is really interesting to me as as I continue to explore gender roles in the Bible. This was kind of an interesting thing to think about, and I know it's kind of debated whether she explained or taught. I know that there's debate about that, but I would say that she was at least correcting Apollo so that he would have a better understanding of what he was teaching, and she did it alongside her husband. And it doesn't really take away from the fact that together... Priscilla and Aquila were able to help Apollos more effectively minister by having a deeper understanding of the gospel, and it says specifically of baptism. And I think the results of this interaction between the three of them really enable Apollos to go on and spread the gospel by being able to, you know, more effectively debate with with the Jewish people that he encounters by being able to spread the gospel in a more full and a more deep way. And he was already very well educated and it seems like a very good speaker. And so it's really great that he's able to deepen this understanding so that more people can come to Christ. And we see this especially in chapter 18 of Acts, starting in verse 24, when it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of greater benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So it's cool. He has this little, like, intercessory moment between his, you know, in the midst of his journey where he encounters Priscilla and Aquila and has a deeper understanding. Fifth, she hosted a house church. This is mentioned several times, not just once, but I'll just read, reread the verse in 1 Corinthians 16, which is 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla, and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. So they were hosts, you know, they were hospitable, they had people in their home, and they had a home church, which was very common in the New Testament. It wasn't like the kind of churches that we visualize today. So she actually, with her husband, hosted this house church. And we can see once again her dedication to the Lord in this action of in hosting her church, providing the means for it to be able to function. Now let's get to the good stuff. What do these verses about Priscilla and Aquila tell us about God? First, God's plans are bigger, grander, and far more intricate than our own. Priscilla and Aquila had to leave Rome due to religious persecution. Like, straight up, they got exiled. And yet, God uses their journey in Corinth for his glory. They live with Paul. They work alongside Paul. God uses them later to host a house church, to guide Apollos. And I'm sure they did far more than even what's recorded in the scriptures. In all of this moving and changing and doing different things, 
I think that all of these changes could have just seemed random to them. It could have just seemed like, man, now we're going doing this. Now we're going to do that. Like kind of jarring changes in their lives. Yet God uses everything ultimately for his good. He does. He uses them in really big and powerful and beautiful ways. He uses them powerfully with the church in Ephesus. He uses them powerfully to help guide Apollos. He uses them powerfully as co-ministers in the gospel with Paul. Paul really appreciates them. That much is clear from the fact that he mentions them so many different times. And it's really cool to see how God uses everything. When we feel like things are random or weird or hopeless or strange or difficult in our lives, God can use everything. He doesn't waste experiences. He doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste interactions with people. God sees so much more than we see. He is a big, big God. He is smarter. He is more able to connect the dots than we could ever imagine. And he has so much more purpose than we will ever see or ever understand. Second, God really brings people into our lives for seasons sometimes. When I was really reflecting on this passage and and praying about it a bit, I was thinking like, wow, Priscilla and Aquila moved a lot of times. They lived with Paul for a season, a year and a half. And that was probably a really beautiful and rich and challenging season. And then they said goodbye. They went somewhere new and they met and invested in new people. Then for a very, very short time, they met and talked with and guided Apollos. And I think that God really uses our interactions and our relationships according to his purpose. Sometimes we interact with people for a short period of time and maybe we learn something really powerful during that time. Maybe we're corrected. Maybe we have a strong relationship that carries on for a lot of seasons. Maybe we don't. Maybe we only know people for a short season. But God really uses all of our interactions and all of our relationships for his bigger purpose. And it's cool to see that so clearly in this story. And change doesn't mean that God didn't use the time before the change for good. Sometimes we look back and we're like, oh, I like that season better, or I like that time in my life better, or I didn't like it as much. But that doesn't mean that God wasn't using that time and that he's not currently using the time we are in right now. God uses everything. Third point, God's work will be done, and he often uses humans to do it. Once again, God is limited by nothing. Nothing will stop his plan. Nothing gets in the way of God's plan. Nothing, nothing we have done, nothing anyone has ever done has gotten in the way of his plan. He is God. And Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives, and many, many early Christians lost their lives in spreading the gospel. And God's work continues to be done. I'm not saying those losses weren't tragic and heartbreaking and and sad and horrible. Death is always sad. But remember, too, that those people are citizens of heaven, and they're with God now. And God's work continues to be done, and everything is according to his timing, not ours, not societies, not what we think is normal or what we're entitled to. Our job is really to respond to his call and to obey him. He takes care of everything else. He takes care of us from equipping and calling us to producing the fruit from our labor and obedience to him and everything in between. Everything is his. 
And I love that he uses humans in his plan when he doesn't need us. God wants for nothing. He doesn't need us. But he loves us and he chooses to use and work with humans. And his plan will be done. Make no mistake. All right. So what are some attributes of Priscilla? She worked alongside her husband and Paul in ministry. She did not let her fear stop her from being obedient. She worked a job. She taught a man and invested in people. She hosted a house church. And what can we learn about God through her story? Well, God's plans are bigger, grander, and more intricate than our own. Sometimes God brings people into our lives for seasons. And God's work will be done, and he often uses humans to do it. Amen. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much that you use humans. Thank you so much for your love and how much you care about us. I pray that every single woman who is listening would feel your closeness and your love and your calling and that she would respond to it, whatever you want her to do, whether it seems big or small to her, important or unimportant to her. Everything you give us to do is important work. And we love you, Lord. Please continue to guide us throughout the week. And I pray a prayer of blessing over the women who are listening. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.